So sometimes you have an impression about somebody or a thought about somebody and it's based not on what you actually know but kind of what you see. Uh, maybe it's a celebrity that you've seen on TV or, uh, or you've seen in a movie or wherever and you've seen them do interviews so you have this impression of them. But you don't really know until you actually meet them. And for some of you, you've met a celebrity, uh, maybe you met a sports star, and you had a, a certain impression about them, but until you met them and start to see a little glimpse of the real them, then all of a sudden that impression changes because you met the real them. For me, I have a story where I met a celebrity that, uh, man, it just changed. It, it had the chance of making me love that celebrity even more or or changing everything and really destroying my whole childhood. Um, now, if you are a regular attendant of Impact Church, you've heard this story. And every time I tell this story, I say it every time, um, you're going to hear it a lot. So if you're watching a replay of this, go ahead and fast forward if you want. If you don't want to hear the story, you, are, you probably already know what it is. Um, but this is my favorite story to tell, so get over it, okay? Get over it to Facebook and YouTube. I'm going to tell it again. You're going to hear it probably twice a year, every year for the rest of of Impact's life and my life. Um, anyway, so I was in California years ago, and uh, a buddy of mine named Brandon is a roadie, and he was a roadie uh, with Metallica, and they had me play in the Rose Bowl while I was in California on vacation, and he said, hey, do you want to come see Metallica at the Rose Bowl? I do the lights before and after, so during the show, I'm not doing anything. Get backstage and go wherever you want, and I can kind of take you around. I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I drove over to LA. Um, I broke that my ankle that day, but I only thought it was a sprain, so I walked around on a broken ankle the whole day. Um, so I went, and um, I'm not a big Metallica person, honestly. Um, they're fine. Uh, I don't dislike them that much, but I don't really like them that much. But to go see someone from backstage for free, especially at the Rose Bowl, I'm there. I don't care who it is. If it's NSYNC, I'm going to be there. If it's um, I don't know if it's Taylor Swift, I'm definitely going to be there. I, I won't go if it's Nickelback, but everybody else, I'm going. So I'm there, and I'm kind of walking around, and we're seeing a little couple celebrities because we're in L.A., but no one like that special, like the bass player of No Doubt, like people like that. Then all of a sudden, we hear that Dave Grohl is there. Now, if you don't know who Dave Grohl is, he's the lead singer of Foo Fighters, the drummer of Nirvana. Um, I'm, a, I'm a 90s kid. I remember I was a little late to the Nirvana party, but in the 90s, I remember discovering them and really like, oh, this is, I like this. Um, and then, uh, the way I discovered him, honestly, is I heard DC Talks, Jesus Freak, and I was like, oh, where did this sound come from? And then I found out it was uh, a whole sound that I didn't know about. Um, and then I got into Foo Fighters, and still Foo Fighters are one of my top five, probably favorite bands, seen them multiple times. And the word around is that Dave Roll, who's this big rock star, is like the nicest guy ever. So I'm like, okay, I need to meet him. I have to meet him. So we go backstage, we go to the side where we're told he's, he is, and he walks right by immediately. But he's with a group, and I, like, I couldn't get my closure. like, oh, hi, hi, Mr. Dave. Like, I just couldn't say it. And he was like, hey, guys, how's it going? And walked by. I was like, God, that's not enough. I want a picture of him. I want a picture with him. I want to actually talk to him. So our whole job, the rest of the time, we didn't watch Metallica anymore. We stayed there hoping that we would see him come back because he went back to the crowd um, because Dave Roll, who's a big rock star, goes with everybody else to see Metallica and to stay backstage. So I was going to, all right, I'm going to wait for him here. And uh, I told my wife I met him. I saw him, and she was like, I don't believe it until I see a picture. I was like, okay. So he starts, after the show's over, he starts coming back. I'm standing there, and he's around like eight people, and he's in the middle of them. It's like, okay, I can't, I'm not going to be able to talk to him, so I'm just going to take a picture of him, you know, like a creep. So I'm like sitting there like just to prove that I saw him. And all of a sudden, I see him leave his, his group of eight people, 
by himself go to the bathroom. So when he goes to the bathroom, I just came from that bathroom and knew that there was nobody in that bathroom. So I, Pastor of Impact Church, followed Dave Grohl into the bathroom like a creep. And then I stood two stalls, uh, two urinals next to him, because I'm not going to be that creepy. I'm going to stand right next to my urinal. And I was like, I'm not going to meet and talk to Dave Grohl while we're both peeing. Um, I wasn't peeing. I was pretending to pee because I had already just peed. Um, so I, after I pretend to be done, I go to wash my hands. I'm like, please wash your hands. Please wash your hands. And luckily he goes to wash his hands. And um, so I decided to talk to him. And here's what I said. And I'm embarrassed about what I said, but I said, hey, Dave. It's me, Eric. Nice to meet you. Like he knows me. Um, and he's like, hey man, how's it going? And we talked for a solid five minutes in the bathroom by ourselves. Like he was so genuinely nice. He was asking me questions, where I'm from. He was talking about his daughter's birthday is today. And I was like, oh, I have two daughters. And just kind of talking about all this stuff. And then when we went to leave, I was like, Dave, because um, we're a first name base at that point. Dave, um, is there any way I can get a picture with you? My wife will not believe that I met you unless I get a picture. He said, sure, of course we can get a picture. So in the bathroom of the Rose Bowl backstage of Metallica, we got this picture. So that is me and Dave, my buddy Dave, uh, backstage. So I met Dave Grohl. I was so excited and I've, I've known about him. I've seen him as the nicest guy. But meeting him could have changed everything. If he was not nice to me, I would have thought completely differently about everything I knew about him and about his bands because he always he always shows his image of being nice. But because I met him and he wanted, and he was willing to talk to me, willing to take a picture with me, did not try to leave as quick as he could, but actually talked for a little bit, man, it changed everything. Once I actually got to meet him, my perceived thoughts about him became a little more real because I met the real Dave Grohl, at least for that day. So that's what we've kind of been talking about throughout this series. Our hope this series is whatever thoughts that you have had about Jesus, whatever thoughts that you have when it comes to your theology about Jesus, what you've been told through culture about Jesus, whatever those thoughts were, that you are able to start to understand who Jesus really is. The real Jesus, who he is. So throughout this series, we've been talking about the evidence that proves that Jesus really existed. We talked about the evidence that proved that Jesus really died and came back to life. Um, and then last week we talked about how if that is true, which I believe it's true, I believe historically it proves it, I believe uh, the Bible proves it, I believe there's circumstantial evidence that proves all that, that if he really did come, say he was the son of God to take care of our sins, and he's going to do that by dying and come back like three days later, and then actually did that, our only logical response is to worship him. That's what we talked about last week. We need to now worship and glorify and sacrifice for him because of what he has done. And today, as we close out our series, The Real Jesus, uh, I want to look at the way the world has completely changed and the way the world today is different because a man named Jesus, who was much more than a man, lived 2,000 years ago and did what we know he did. Who the real Jesus was changed who we are today. Because it is illogical for us to think that the God of the universe would send his son who was also equal parts God, to this world, to die for us, who, who showed radical love, who preached, who fed, who fed the poor, who did miracles, who died and came back three years later. It's illogical for us to think that all that happened and it wouldn't affect our world today. There has to be some kind of effect today if all that is true. So we're going to look in the Gospels to kind of just 
remind ourselves of the story of Jesus. And again, the Gospels are written by first and second hand accounts. People that hung out with Jesus or people that interviewed other people that hung out with Jesus. And through the Gospels, we know what Jesus taught. We know what Jesus did. We know his life. Um, and here's how it starts. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 2, here's how Luke reports it after his investigation. Starting in verse 4. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. You know this story, you hear it every Christmas, but this is important for us to remember. This is how Jesus came to this earth. And then for the next 30 years, we don't really hear much. We hear one story that happened to Jesus between this story of his birth and when he started his ministry in 30 years. He was a carpenter for those times. He basically lived in obscurity. He didn't do much. He didn't start a political campaign. He didn't uh, he wasn't popular. No one knew about him for the first 30 years. And then at age 30, he started his ministry. And in the Gospels, we learn about his ministry that only lasted for three years. That's it. Three years of his ministry until he eventually was falsely accused, was tried and found guilty for a crime he did not commit, died on a cross, came back to life three days later. And then after he is resurrected, here's what he says to his disciples before he ascends back into heaven where he's still living today. Matthew chapter 28 Starting in verse 18, Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And to this day, to this day, we are still living and witnessing the lasting impact of Jesus. 100% man, 100% God, who came to this earth, who really existed, who really died, really came back. Like We are still experiencing the lasting impact of his life, even though he only did ministry for three years. Here's what is miraculous and amazing. You can easily trace his teachings, and you can trace his example to the impact in our culture today. In fact, historians will agree. Whether you believe he's the Son of God or not, whether you believe he actually came back to life or not, Everyone agrees that Jesus made a lasting impact and we are still feeling that impact in this world today. Here's what historian H.G. Wells says. I'm a historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Historian, historian uh, Kenneth Scott Latterette says, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life ever lived on the planet. It is undeniable that Jesus completely changed our world. But how? What, what evidence do we have today that Jesus actually made a lasting impact? So I'm going to give you a couple quick examples. Um, I could go all day on the examples that Jesus impacted our world, but I'm going to give you some, some very clear ones and some quick ones. First one um, is women. The impact that he made when he came to women. Jesus ministered at a time where women were considered property. They were the same value as a man's cattle. It was 
Women were, um, were men's property. Their only job was to give birth to boys, and that was it. Besides that, they had no other value. They had no other worth. They had no rights. They could not even speak for themselves in court. If a man wanted to divorce a woman for any reason, he could just like that. Women had no rights in the time that Jesus ministered. But Jesus changed everything. Jesus taught women. Back then, they'd be like, why would you teach women? It's a waste of time, but not Jesus. He taught women. Jesus valued women. Jesus elevated women. Jesus empowered women to do ministry at a time where they weren't allowed to do anything. He empowered them to do ministry with him. Jesus respected women. When Jesus was resurrected, he did not reveal himself first to the disciples. He revealed himself first to women. Women to Jesus were as important as men. He, he brought them up to equal value at a time where they weren't even close to equal. Jesus elevated their status. The first person in history with any respect, with any power, with any authority to ever speak on the value and equality of, Jesus, of, of women was Jesus. He was the very first one in history to ever say women are valuable. Very first one. I mean, look at our world today. Look at our nation compared to other nations that do not have a foundation of Christianity. Look at the way that women are treated in those countries compared to here. We still have a ways to go because we're still trying to catch up with the value that Jesus gave women. We're still trying to do that. Us here in this country, of course women are valued. Of course women are important. Of course they have they should have equal rights as us. That's just a general statement. Back in Jesus' time, Men could divorce women for any reason, but Jesus taught a different message. He said, no, women should submit to men, which back then uh, everybody would say, yeah, they, we have to. But he said, but you know what? Men should also submit to women. There should be mutual submission in a marriage. And that men, you should treat your spouse, you should treat your wife the way that God treated the church. That he gave him everything up for the church. That as a man, you should do that to your wife. You should give up all your rights. You should give up all your privileges to serve her and to submit to her. Back then, they'd be like, no, we don't have to do that. We don't even have to love them. They are our property. But Jesus taught a radical message that today, the reason why women are elevated to a level they are is started by the message of Jesus. By the message of Jesus. The impact of Jesus, the real Jesus, brought us where we are today when it comes to the rights and equality of women. How else does Jesus change this world? Uh, children. In the same way that women were treated like property, children were, were not considered anything special or important. They weren't. Especially if you were a girl, you were really not treated that way. You want to um, really depress yourself? Look up how children were treated in the first century. Look up some of the practices that they had when it came to children. Here's how bad it was. Children abandonment was just common practice. You had a child that you didn't want. If you had a child that you couldn't afford, or if you had a girl and you didn't want a girl, all you had to do was take that child, a newborn baby, as, or however old they were, take them outside of town and just place them outside of town and go back to your house. Because eventually an animal would come and eat it. That was common practice. Back in Jesus' times, the average, um, the average age of a child that a child would, would live was eight years old. That's how, that's, that was the average life expectancy of a child. Children were not treated well, but Jesus welcomed children. 
Jesus prayed for children. Jesus had fun with children. When Jesus' own disciples told the children, no, you cannot see Jesus. He is too important. He is too powerful. He is a preacher. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. You cannot see him. Jesus rebuked his own disciples and let the children come to me. Jesus loved children. And the best way that we can understand the love of God is through the idea of adoption. I mean, even Jesus was adopted into Joseph's family, right? Joseph was not Jesus' father. It was, it was his adopted father. Jesus witnessed adoption, and we still understand adoption as the best way for us to understand our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That the God of the universe adopts us into His family. And the idea of adoption started with Christians, with Christianity. Those same kids that were brought out to be fed to whatever animal because they did not want, because their parents did not want them, as early as the first century, Christians, followers of Jesus, followers of this movement called the way, would take those very kids in, would take them into their own homes and sacrifice what they had for someone else's kid to adopt them into their family. That idea of adoption, an idea that still today that we value and we look at as, man, that is heroic and that is something amazing that people do is, is adopt someone else's child into their life. You know people that haven't done that. You see that and you go, man, that is an amazing thing. That idea started with Jesus because Jesus valued children and elevated and said, you know what? Children are worthy. Children have value and we need to love kids. Even if we have to sacrifice ourselves to show them that they are worthy and valuable and loved. That's what the real Jesus did. How else has our world changed? Education. The idea of education today is not like it was back then. Back then, the only people that were educated were those that uh, were considered higher class, were considered the wealthy elite. Only those people got an education. Everyone else, why waste your time when educating the poor? They didn't need it. That's how it was back in the first century. But to us, that's not how we see education, is it? We know that education is the best way to improve somebody's life. That if you want to get someone out of a cycle of poverty, the best way to do that is through education. So education, we believe that everybody, no matter what your race is, no matter what your class is, no matter what, how much money you have, no matter where you live, that everyone in this entire world deserves an education. We believe that. That's not a, a, a controversial statement. We all believe that. But that wasn't always the case. It started with Jesus. Jesus was a rabbi. And Jesus was a teacher. Jesus taught everyone because everyone deserved an education. He did not only teach the wealthy. He taught everyone that came to him. He was constantly teaching. And then Christians took this idea, this idea of Jesus being the teacher, and took it and said, we need to start teaching everybody. Christians started translating scriptures and, and the gospels to all these different languages, many languages they could, so that everyone could read for themselves that you didn't have to rely on a priest to tell you what the Word of God said, but you could read for yourselves. Christians are teaching people how to read so they can read the Word of God for themselves and learn about Jesus on their own level. And then if you even look at our nation, our nation, um, the, the education when it comes to our nation started by Christians. It was started by Christians. Uh, D. James Kennedy in his book, What If Jesus Was Never Born, tells us that from 1620 to 1837, which is about 217 years, when our nation was founded, during those 217 years, virtually all education in our country was done privately through Christians. 
There was no education besides what Christians did because they valued education. It was Christians who labored for literacy. It was Christians who labored for the education of boys and girls. It was Christians who labored for translations of written languages. It was Christians that did that. In fact, the first 123 colleges, I don't know if you know this, the first 123 colleges in our country were all founded by Christians with Christian purposes. That includes Harvard, Dartmouth, Oxford, Cambridge, Yale, the list goes on. The first 123 colleges were all started by Christians with Christian purposes. Without the influence of Jesus, and without the movement that Jesus started, without it, we would not be where we are today when it comes to education. It's just fact. We would not be where we are today. Started with the real Jesus. The last one we're going to look at, the rule of law. See, the law used to be centered around people. It used to be centered around whoever was in charge. It used to be centered around the upper class. It used to be centered around the person who was the mightiest, the person who was the wealthiest, the person who held all the power, the person who had the biggest army so who could defeat you, or the person that defeated the last person. So the law used to just revolve around them. Whatever they wanted, whatever was best for them, that's what everybody had to deal with. And we still see that in some countries. We see dictators that still run that way, that the law is around them. But we don't believe that, do we? We believe that the law is about the innocent, is about everybody, is about what is good for everybody, is about the common good. Where does that idea come from? It comes from the book of law. It comes from scripture. See, scripture is the book of law, and it has the laws that are to be obeyed, and Jesus taught us. He was the teacher of the law. And as such, our nation understands the importance of the equality under the law for young and old, for rich and poor, for all people to receive justice. See, we believe in this nation that we are all made by God. That was what we were founded on. We're all made by God. We, that means we all have dignity. We all have value. We all have worth. We believe that we are all image bearers of God. And because of that belief, because of that belief, we got the rule of law. The rule of law was there to protect the innocent because they were valued because they were, all of us are a son and daughter of God. The rule of law was there to protect the vulnerable because we are all valued as a son and daughter of God. The rule of law is there to keep people accountable when they hurt somebody else because those people are all sons and daughters of God. The rule of law started not by any, any one person, but by Jesus, who is equal man and equal God. Jesus started this idea that everyone deserves respect and value. And the rule of law comes from that. That's where it came from. It was a Christian belief that started it. And the list could go on and on and on. I could tell you so many different examples. I could talk for hours about the different ways that Jesus made a lasting impact. But here's the point I'm really trying to make. Jesus' legacy, whether you believe he's the son of God or not, whatever your belief is on Jesus, you cannot deny this fact. Jesus' legacy is exceedingly profound. Jesus' legacy has made a lasting impact that our world is better today because Jesus existed. I would even say that there is not one aspect of our life today that Jesus has not had an impact on. Now, am I saying that the church as 
Jesus' representative has always done a great example of, and showed a great example of Jesus and, and his life. No, I'm not saying that. You can look back at history. There are times where the church has done a great job showing the example of Jesus. And there's a time where we've done a terrible job by some of the laws that we made, by some of the things that we did. We, we, are, we are not innocent. I get it. But do not blame Jesus for the sins of sinful people. Jesus came to help sinful people, but we do not represent him when we are sinful. That's not what we do. See, Jesus made a lasting impact on this world. And here's what I know. Jesus changed this world. And Jesus can continue to change your world. If Jesus changed this world, which he did, we all know that, that means he can also change your world. See, here's the good news the same Jesus that completely changed the world for the better is alive today. The same Jesus that constantly restored broken systems can restore your life today. The same Jesus that started a movement can start a movement through you today. The good news is that Jesus is still alive today. So in whatever situation you are in, in whatever situation you are currently in, you can rest assured that Jesus can move and change the situation you in, you're in and can change you. Jesus made a difference in the way our world runs. And he can also make a difference in your life today. How? It starts with the understanding. It starts with the understanding of who he is, the real Jesus who we've been talking about this entire time and who we talk about every week. Every Sunday we talk about it. And it starts by understanding who he really is and then by wanting to be more like him, to draw yourself closer to him. See, I believe that the more you learn about Jesus, the more you understand who he really is, not only through scripture, but through history, the more you do that, the more you will be drawn closer to him. And I know that right now there are people that are watching this, whether it's Sunday morning or whether you're watching a replay of this. I know that there are people that, have simply been going through the motions of faith, especially recently, especially with what's happening in our world today. I know there are some of you right now that are watching this that are just going through the motions when it comes to your faith. And I'm going to be honest. This happens for me a lot. It happens for me a lot because for me, at times I struggle with this. At times church becomes just another job for me. And ministry is, is all around me. So sometimes my faith just gets thrown into the motions because I got to read scripture because I got to prepare for a sermon. I got to do a lot of things because I am just focused on what I have to do for my job. And for me, so easily, it just becomes me just playing the motions. All right, I'm going to read my Bible and figure out what I'm going to preach about on Sunday. Okay, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, I am not drawing closer to Jesus. And here's what happens for me, and this might not be you. Maybe it's just me. Here's what happens for me. The more I struggle in my life and the more I struggle with my own pride and my own sin, the more I do that, it's most of the time because I am not drawing closer to Jesus. That's why it's happening most of the time for me. I mean, there are times where I am the worst husband possible. There's times where I'm the worst husband possible and the worst father possible, not because of any other circumstance, but there's times where that happens for me because I am not drawing closer to Jesus and I'm not actively pursuing Jesus enough. That the times where I treat my wife the worst, and I treat my kids the worst, 
is because I am not actively pursuing God in my life. Times where I'm parenting the worst because I'm not actively pursuing him. Times where I struggle with my addictions is because I'm going through the motions of faith. I'm not pursuing God enough. Times where I am just not who I know I should be and I'm not living the way I should. And I'm not the healthiest version of me is because I am just going through the motions of faith and I am not pursuing my Savior who changed this world and can change your world. And I know for some of you watching right now, for some of you watching, your struggles in your marriage, your struggles with your marriage is because for some of you, you're just going through the motions of faith. You believe in Jesus, but you are not allowing Jesus to actively change you. And your pride has grown to a level where your marriage is suffering and you are struggling because of what your relationship with Jesus looks like. You are going through the motions. You are not growing close to Jesus. And because of it, you've taken pride to a level where you are not submitting to your spouse, that you are one that's always right when it comes to your fights. And they need to figure out a way to come to you instead of you living like Jesus and acting like Jesus and looking more like Jesus by saying, you know what? I don't care if, if you are 95% of the problem. I'm going to do what I can to come to you because we believe that God, the universe came to us. And if we, when we grow closer and we look more like Jesus, we, the result is going to be for us to love our spouses differently. And for some of us, we aren't doing that because we aren't allowing Jesus to change us today. The Jesus who changes work and changes the way you parent. Some of you have not been patient with your kids. Some of you have not valued your kids enough. Some of you have just thought of your kids as, as an annoyance and you get home from work and you're just done with it. You're done. You're trying to work from home and all they want to do is play with you. Heaven forbid they want to be around you and they're just annoyance to you. And the reason why some of us treat our kids the way we do is because we are not growing closer enough to Jesus. We are not trying to look more like Jesus. We're just going through the faith, our, our, the motions of our faith. The reason why some of you are struggling with your addictions today is because you are just going through the motions of your faith. The reason why some of you have given up today is because you are not allowing Jesus to change you anymore. So here's what I, I worry about, especially during this quarantine time. Some of us, we believe in Jesus. We believe that he really lived, we believe that he really died, and we believe he really came back to life. But here's the thing, belief is not enough. The Jesus who changed this world is still changing this world. And some of you are missing the change that can happen in your life because you're settling for belief. Don't settle for just believing, but grow in your walk with him, the God of the universe who changed this world and is continuing to change your world. So today, I want to encourage you to stop going through the motions and to take your next step, whatever that step looks like in your faith. It's not your last step. But what is that next step that you need to take to allow Jesus to continue to change you? For some of you, that next step is meeting Jesus right here and now. Maybe for the first time, or maybe you've known Jesus, but you've wandered away because you've just been doing religion and you've not actually been growing in a relationship with him. So maybe your next step is to come back to him. Maybe some of you have been walking down a path a path of sin or a path of something you know you shouldn't be doing, your next step is turning around and coming back and going to the path that God has planned for you. Maybe your next step is baptism. Maybe your next step is join a community. Maybe your next step is to find somebody to walk alongside you to help you with whatever struggles you're going through. You're going through marriage struggles. Maybe you need someone to help you and teach you and, and learn how to grow closer 
closer in your in your relationship with Jesus so you can grow closer in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's with your parent, maybe it's with your parenting, maybe it is with your your addictions. I don't know what your next step is, but here's what I know. You are not in this alone. There is a God who loves you so much that sent his son for you. Has sent his son for you, who changed this world and is continuing to change this world and can change you today. And we at Impact Church are here to help. So here's what I want to encourage you. If you're here and you're watching this, whether on replay or watching this live, and you need help with a next step, whatever it is, you know, whether it's your first step to enter that relationship with Jesus or whether you've been in a relationship with Jesus for a long time and you just need to get back on track. You need help with that. You need guidance. You need someone to walk with you on that. Then I want to encourage you to do a couple things. Here's some easy ways that you can start taking the next step. You can let us know. Send us an email at info at impactchurchmd.com. And let us know, hey, I need help with my next step. Even if you don't even know what the next step is, we are here to help you with that. If you're watching right now on Facebook or on YouTube, you can simply type next step. And one of our staff will get back with you. And we'll figure out the best way we can walk with you on that. Maybe you just need to meet with somebody once a month to talk about what you're going through. I do that. I have somebody that I meet with once a month to talk about my feelings, to help me grow closer to Jesus. Maybe that's what you need. But we as a church are here to help you. If you are here and you are watching and you feel convicted about something you heard, do not just go, okay, that was a great sermon, and then go on the rest of the week not changing. Today is the day that you can take that step, whatever that is. And if you need help with that step, we're here to help. You can type next step. You can email us next step. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. Just simply say next step. You can go to our website, impactchurchmd.com. Go to contact and let us know that you need help with that next step. We will get back to you. We will help you with that step. You will connect with the people you need to connect with. We will encourage you. We will hold you accountable, whatever you need. I don't want us to take for granted the real Jesus who had a real impact in this world and can have a real impact in your world. Let us know. We can help you with that next step. Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray that you convict us, you lead us, you guide us to change. You are the God that changes world and you are the God that is continually working in our world today and you are the God that is continually working in our lives. God, I pray for the people that are watching this, the people that need to take that next step, the people that have gone astray or the people that just need guidance where they need to go next. I pray to give them the courage to reach out so they can take that next step in you. So that they can encounter the real Jesus. So that they can encounter who you really are. The God who loves us, who came for us, and the God who's continuing to change this world. Dear God, thank you for being a real God who really loves us. Help us to pursue you more so we can look more like you. In your son's name, amen.